Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. Joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but I am trying to open the chat room. I can't quite tell if it's happened or not. Oh, yes, it has. So if you uh, wish to uh, have a question for our guest and want to type it in there, I will try to fit it in if we have time. Uh, I'm hoping that I will be with you the entire half an hour here, but we've had drama in our neighborhood this week. Yesterday, the high school right in my backyard had a bomb scare. So basically there were, you know, 3,500 kids uh, milling out into the neighborhood. Um, and they are not quiet when they do that. So <laughs> if there's suddenly a rush of young voices on my end of the line, you will know that somebody wow. has called one in again. But it turned out that there was after they had searched the entire enormous building, that there was nothing there. So kids were standing it outside is. for three hours with no coats uh, in, uh, you know, chilly weather. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, hopefully today everything will go just fine and there will be no drama. Um, how has your week been? Anything exciting going on out there in your neighborhood, Nicole? Nothing. It's been quiet. Thank goodness. It's just one <laughs> of those nice. weeks. <laughs> quiet is nice, but, you know, you know what's around the corner, right? Thanksgiving yes. Oh my God. Next and Thursday. <laughs> next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Yeah. How is that possible? I mean, you Canadians already had your Thanksgiving, but yeah. But uh, we're doing it again, though. We get the best of the world. Here. Oh my gosh, it's not yeah. right. It's too soon. Yeah. So yeah, um, no, I'm so just you know sitting over here. La 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 la. I can't hear you. It's not for another several <laughs> weeks. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, we're going to do, we'll, we'll do the American Thanksgiving, so we'll have another yes. turkey and celebrate all over again, and yeah. um, and then, of course, Black Friday is the following day. And That's right. Uh, See, husband, I'm not ready for that either, you know. I no. Last year, I got a lot of good Christmas shopping done, and this year, it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, time. my husband insists on going out the door at 2 a.m., <sighs> so you can oh, go on your own. Thank you very much. <laughs> my sister-in-law is one of those. See, I do my Black Friday shopping online. Yeah, it's much easier, yeah. and sometimes they do a Black Monday online too, so you have a little yeah, extra time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm just trying not to, not to think about it at this point. I know it's looming, but I'm yes. not, not trying to get too wrapped That's up. Wonderful thing. Yes, it is. Good point. Well, in the meantime, though, I'm really excited about our guest today uh, because several weeks ago I actually came across an article about um, our guest and his daughter which caught my attention. I don't know if you had seen it or not, Terry, but it was titled, Why Inclusion in Classrooms Benefit All Kids. So right away I had to check that one out. <laughs> yes. Seems like <laughs> and, you've said uh, that before. Yes, yeah. But, you know, it's it, what what really struck me is that I often talk about why it benefits children. We have experts on that talk about mm-hmm. why it benefits children, but rarely we have a parent that comes forth and says, hey, you know, this is... It does benefit kids, and I'm not saying that there are very few parents out there that believe it. But you know, yeah. they're often busy raising their kids, and <laughs> you 
you know, doing <laughs> other things. And, and you know, unfortunately, not enough parents um, take the time to sit down and, and share their stories and talk about mm-hmm. what, benef- you know, the benefits of inclusion has been for their children. So I was uh, very excited to see this article and, of course, right away um, thought, I, I need to get in contact with them um, and have him on the show, and his name is Sean Adelman, and he is here with us this morning, and he is going to share some of his thoughts and experiences about inclusion. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Good morning. Uh, very well. Good. Nothing like a little uh, early West Coast morning to get us all chipper. Exactly. Is it dark and rainy in your part of the world, or is it, uh, it, or is it clear today? Yeah, it's actually dark, but we have this natural phenomenon called uh, sunlight that came out yesterday that we rarely <laughs> see this time of year in Seattle. Everybody yeah. ran inside because they weren't sure what to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know what that's like, trust me. Um, let's get going on our interview here and, and find out uh, what what your thoughts are. And um, before, I quickly, before I forget, I just want to quickly mention that the article that I'm talking about can be found on parents.com. That's where I found the article. So anyway, Sean, can you tell us how being a father of a special needs child has changed your life? I think that's the the unique part of it is is it, you know it's, it's changed my life in such imperceptible ways it's really hard to define. Um, I, I find myself being more of an advocate for diversity than truly just uh, special needs because I, I realize that you know, essentially what makes her unique is is so multifactorial it's hard to pinpoint on just you know a learning issue and so I think what it's done is it's given me more patience and and, and really more understanding of. of the challenges we all face, and, and and seeing her take these challenges on in such a positive way has really, you know, made me a different person. Exactly. And before I, uh, another um, point I wanted to mention too is that your daughter has Down syndrome. Yes, ma'am. And that was yeah. that was the uh, the special needs that we were talking about earlier in terms of how that's um, changed your life, and then of course you've been able to see all the benefits of inclusion with her going to general education classes. And yeah, it's so interesting, why, you know, because Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, why Why is it important for a special needs child to be included? I think inclusion, and, and one of the things that I've, I've tried to talk about, and this is, interestingly enough, this is something that's come about as, as I've learned more, I've, I've certainly understood more. Um, and, and what I can say is the benefits are, are multifactorial, the the one thing is that you know it helps her engage with her peers. You know she gets to to make friends in a way that we don't really. You know most of us sort of relate to our peers in a way that we just sort of don't think about. Um, and uh, and not being around your peers, it makes it very difficult to, to form friendships and, and do the things that we all sort of take for granted. I think the thing that we always forget about when we talk about inclusion and how it benefits our kids as it benefits on the other end of the spectrum. And as you've already alluded to, you know, I have benefited greatly by having her in my life. I can't even imagine what my life would have been like without her. Um, and, and the kids that interact with her, you know, I think grow up to be uh, better people because they understand the differences uh, that these kids bring to the play and that we all have our own sort of little special things about us. Um, and, and I think that the one thing, once again, that we forget about is that the inclusion is a two-way street. And, and the things that mm-hmm. I've seen um, are, are the benefits of the kids that she's hung out with. Uh, specifically, you know, she's a, a cheerleader in our high school uh, cheer team. 
Um, right. And, you know, it started off as, you know, I hate to say it, but my wife and I are definitely not cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but that just was yeah. definitely not our thing. And, and have our, our, you know, our really beautiful girl who's, you know, essentially genetically a cheerleader doing it was something we had to embrace. But right. we sort of had our own perce- uh, preconceived notions about what cheerleaders were like, to be honest. And, and you know, the, the kids that didn't want to hang out with her and had their own sort of uh, look at things have, you know, on many levels embraced her and, and learned that, you know, she can do things they never thought possible. And it's been really exciting just to see that sort of, you know, flip, you know, switch flip. And these other kids who really had no idea um, what she was capable of doing until they actually had a chance to interact with her and meet with her uh, on, a, on a playing field that was level. Yeah, yeah. And we often hear that is that inclusion does level that playing field where, um, you know, to some extent in terms of abilities and seeing abilities in people that we wouldn't normally see. So that's a great point. Can I just quickly uh, backtrack here a bit? Excuse me. Has she been in in general education classes for her entire elementary career? Yeah. Okay. So you've had her included from from the beginning. Well, that was one of the that was one of our really difficult points, and I, and I think you and I spoke previously about you know uh, a friend of yours in Florida, and uh, you know I, when I was in the Air Force in Florida, um, you know I was I had job offers when I got out of the Air Force, and um, the problem was is our, our local school was going to you know make a shipper to a contained classroom in another district, right? Um, and so you know we moved, and you know honestly we've moved. Uh, a few different times because, you know, we wanted what was best for her. And, and the truth is, is, you know, as naive parents, we don't always <laughs> we think we know what's best. But, um, and so uh-huh. for us it's been a journey uh, to really find a system that allowed her to be included in a way that we thought she deserved. And, and that's a challenge because inclusion, yeah. for inclusion's sake, I'm trying to think of how to say this, you know, sometimes inclusion done wrong or done poorly is a bad thing, and yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and you know having a kid sit in a classroom without an a without instruction just to be included but really not part of the classroom is mm-hmm. very difficult. And and I, and I love your um, you have that little graph on your website where it has the little the pictures of inclusion and and segregation mm-hmm. and and having little pods of kids in a classroom who aren't interacting or aren't learning is right. non inclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. So you were you had an idea in mind as to what you wanted to see happen for your daughter, and that's something that you've then pursued to find that that situation for her. So, yeah, and um, we've never thought of treating her anything other than you know the same. You know, she's always been on. You know, I've coached her and uh, you know combined basketball teams, and we've always had her in the same classrooms, and we just we always assume that's how it should be. Yeah. Right. Good. Good point. Now, why do you think that? these authentic inclusive programs because you've talked about inclusion when it's not done correctly cannot be a good thing and, and Terry and I always talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Why do you think some of these truly authentic inclusive programs have not taken root as of yet in many places? Um I think the honest answer is money. Yeah. Um I think I think you know in a perfect world and, and Sue my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday in a perfect world you have the kids in the same classroom, and you have three teachers, um, and so that all the kids get something out of it. And one of the benefits we found uh, that the teachers actually really liked when we were in Ann Arbor was that um, 
you know, there was an extra teacher in the class. And so uh, actually all the kids, you know, appreciated that. So when Devin was there, we had an aide who functioned as a secondary teacher. And so the classrooms were actually more vibrant, and it was actually a, a better situation for everybody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was sort of a, a secondary effect that we didn't really appreciate. Um, and, and I think that the really, really hard lesson as a parent is what you think is right for your child isn't always what your child wants. Mm-hmm. And so as your kids yeah. get older and become more independent, <laughs> um, you, you have that battle. Um, so for our situation, you know, the uh, Devin's at a high school, as I said, who she, I mean, she loves going to school. She she drives her other two kids nuts because, you know, <laughs> they're typical, you know, teenagers who don't want to go to school. And she's like, yay, yeah. I want to go to school. <laughs> um but the the in middle school and high school she had uh, a resource room where she could get a little extra help, and mm-hmm. then you know either had an aide or somebody that would periodically check on her or their classrooms. And the thing we found last year was that although she was in some inclusive classrooms, she was just there. They they weren't sort of mm-hmm. checking that she was prospering and doing what she wanted to do. And so we had to make the choice of you know she spend more time in a resource room so she actually learn. Um, and interact on mm-hmm. different levels and, and really juggle, you know, what her needs actually were with what we could accomplish within the confines of the current school system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as you were mentioning earlier, a lot of those sort of checks and balances require another body in place and then, mm-hmm. you know, having the district having to fund the aid and, um, you know, that in many ways, I mean, they can sort of reshuffle their um, <laughs> funding. However, yeah. if that's not in place, it makes it more difficult. So, yes, but having having people in place to support the inclusion is definitely a must for having it work successfully. Well, and I think it's, uh, it's also about priorities. I mean, I think one thing that comes with understanding that kids of, of different needs are capable of more than people perceive. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you sort of come to that realization that if you if you lower the expectations of our children, uh, oh, by the way, they won't achieve what you think they, they will, um, as soon as you sort of come to that realization, then things flow a little bit better, you know. And, and Devin was on a, a cheer team uh, a couple of years ago with a young lady who had, had sort of was a professional uh, coach. And uh, sort of as a, as a whim, decided to have a, a special needs team, and so she started off teaching them like they were, you know, you know, puppies, and uh-huh. and realized very soon that these kids were capable of doing, you know, normal stuff. And as soon as that sort of switch took off in her head, it became a much richer, much easier uh, job. And, and I think funding is a huge issue, but I also think it's it's that you know understanding that. You know, we have to raise our expectations of what these kids are capable of so that we can make a, a richer learning environment for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the money. That That is one of the big problems, I agree. And the thing is that eventually I think inclusion is less expensive. It's just expensive at the beginning when you have parallel programs, when you still have the extremely expensive out-of-district school you're sending kids to, and you still have the self-contained class, and then you have to have extra teachers in the mainstream class. That seems like too much. Eventually, if everybody's going to the same place and you've redistributed all your people, then you have environments that work for everybody and that aren't as expensive, but it's making that initial commitment that I think is a problem. Um, you know, it seems like we should be putting everything, all the resources in the rooms with all the kids 
together rather than have all these separate things. But that's just a humongous organizational change. That at least my state isn't fighting it quite as hard as Florida, but people are still fighting it and uh, wishing that it would go away. So, um, you know, I think that's why it's so important. Well, it's important to make the case that inclusion is good for the typical child, that you bring these resources into the regular classroom and that that's good for everybody. You know, it's good for especially the kids who are not needy enough to need to be in special education but aren't quite at the level of complete mastery who usually just kind of fall through the cracks and get their B's and C's and, you know, move along. Uh, yeah. So what are some of the, the ways that you have found that inclusion is important for the typical child, Sean? Well, first I want to say that was very well said, and I could not agree more. Uh, and I think that's exactly what I was trying to get at is, is our perception of, of, of how we we teach. Uh, if it changes, it makes a more inclusive environment much more affordable. So I, I agree completely. Um, in terms of what what. Things I, I'm sorry I I got so excited about what you're saying I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> well, you know, I was asking you why you feel inclusion is important for the typical child, but also the flip side of that question, actually, as I've been thinking and listening to you talk, I I have one child who was more or less all inclusion all through school, and one child who came to inclusion very late and was in self-contained most of the time, and a lot of his friends from self-contained classes. Uh, their parents don't want them in inclusion. Their parents are afraid of inclusion. And, of course, we've all seen inclusion done badly, and that's what they've seen, and that's what they don't want. And for a long time I was that parent, too, for my my son. I just couldn't quite see how they were going to be able to accommodate him in a regular classroom. And if they couldn't, it would be such a disaster that it's easy to retreat to your safe, you know, your safe little self-contained class mm-hmm. where everybody gets cookies every day and, you know, the teacher wants to talk to you and... and you know, everybody loves the kids. Um, but so, you know, we have to get the message out to the typical parents that this is good for your kid. This isn't going to be, oh, they're bringing the special ed kids in, it's going to drag everybody down. This is going to be good for everybody. But also to the parents of the kids with special needs saying, this is why it's good for your kid. This is why having, you know, being in with everybody else is good for your kid and being off in a corner getting just, you know, exactly what's in their IEP goals is not good for your kid. So now I've asked two questions and talked for a long time. So <laughs> I, I think those Let me pass are, are it great back questions. to you, Sean. <laughs> I think those are very difficult questions. And, and I think, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, well, I've had the same situation. I have a good friend of mine at work who has a, a very involved child with some, some very specific needs who's afraid of an inclusive classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the reality is is we all live in a society where, by the way, we have to get along. And, yeah. you know, your kid is not going to live in your house. We don't have special need grocery stores. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have, you know, special need malls. I mean, yeah. you know, they may be ADA compliant, but you actually still have to interact on some level. And uh, yeah. the more people understand, the less they fear. And and people mm-hmm. in general public fear difference when they don't know it exists. And and uh, you know it's not understanding is not a bad thing on, on any level, um, and and it's just so hard to sort of see. I mean that's partly why I wrote the book is I was so dismayed that people continued to sort of expect so little of my daughter that she continued to surprise people and 
Uh-huh. Uh, I, I wanted everybody to know that this isn't how it has to be. Um, and I think inclusion is is a beautiful thing because it makes us sort of appreciate that we all have our strengths and that we all gain something from the experience. And unless you and there are certain things that are just experiential, you can't teach. Um, and and being involved with kids of different abilities and different colors and different sexes and different everything, you know, makes us uh, more tolerant and more understanding. Um, and that's a crucial part of our development. And yeah. when you segregate kids into, you know, if if you know every white boy in the neighborhood goes to school with every other white boy in the neighborhood and grows up mm-hmm. in that situation, then every, everything that's different is going to be fearful and and unhelpful. And uh, yeah. our, you know, our our society is becoming more and more diverse. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, those things that we've learned uh, early on uh, are crucial. And and I learned that myself. You know, I. I went to a very diverse school, and as my dad got transferred to different places, I ended up in a very, very non-diverse school. And it was it was striking how people um, understood and accepted different things. And I have distinct memories of growing up, you know, remembering the special ed kid who nobody knew, but you saw him on the bus. Um, yeah. and, and that's just heart-wrenching. And I think that the most striking thing that I can say to the benefits on, on the on the on the special ed side, because you know if you look at the statistics for kids with Down syndrome, you know in the 70s and 80s with institutionalization because people didn't right. understand, you know this kid's life expectancy was in the 20s. I mean we were literally yeah. killing them, and yeah. now it's in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and and I can tell you, and it's hard to express this, but my life is so much richer having known her. I mean she she brings a different. Um, Thing to the game. I don't even know how to express it. You know, she she she's she's smart and happy and, and understanding. But if you listen to her talk, you know, you wouldn't know that because she does have some difficulties with speech. But you know, her brain's back there working. And until you actually spend the time to get to know somebody, you'll never really understand them. And without inclusion, you will never have that. Yes, yes, you'll never have that opportunity. Wonder at a time when we're spending so much money and effort in schools to combat bullying what sort of message it sends when you bring everybody into the auditorium for the bullying assembly and then you say, okay, well, you kids, you go out back off to your classroom in the back of the room. Or, oh, you know, exactly. th- th- that, you know, everybody deserves respect, but these kids don't belong in the classroom with you guys. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's, it's just that institutionalized thinking, and kids know when you don't mean what you're saying. <laughs> so right. uh, it's such an opportunity for schools to walk the walk. Um, but... It just, you know, it's so frustrating to see it get, see adults not understand that. Um, no, not at all. There's one of the the high schools that my daughter left in Michigan. The, you know, a fairly famous quote from the principal was a, it was a new high school and their test scores came out, and unfortunately the test scores for the new high school were much lower, and mm-hmm. she summarily blamed it on some of the special ed kids. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, when when you have people in education saying that it's it's yeah. you know that's that's why we're having this show is so people can can hear you know uh, the other side of the coin so to speak and, and bring some understanding of the situation absolutely well t- uh tell me more about your book who is the target audience for that book series and uh why is oh. it important that it's marketed to all kids and families that, that's exactly it. So the the book uh, it's called Sam's Top Secret Journal, and mm-hmm. and it's wonderful that you said that because essentially it's it's like an answer to mystery um, where where the protagonist is a child with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and and the reason I wrote it was because I wanted to have something 
fun and inspirational for for and I, for families with kids with special needs, but for everybody to sort of help this sort of inclusion thought, so that people could realize that you know she's capable of more than people think. And and you know I I tried to and, and it's fun that you said you mentioned bullying because I, I tried to touch on those things and you know, to mm-hmm. talk about inclusion and bullying and acceptance in in a fun story format. You know, there's a lot of textbooks out there just sort of talk about the do's and don'ts, but I wanted something that was a little more fun to read so that, you know, middle school kids could pick it up and read it and sort of get a sense of, of, you know, what it's like for a special needs child to sort of, you know, do their thing Mm -hmm. um, so that we could raise their expectations. So it was really targeted at everybody, but it's really sort of a middle reader kind of book. Okay. Um, But that, that was kind of the onus of it is I just, you know, as I said, I was just um, struck by the, the frustration that people just sort of expected so little of my daughter when she was mm-hmm. capable of so much. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a situation that I I was that have been familiar with too with with both my kids, but uh, my daughter was d- does not have Down syndrome, but she also you know they just said, oh no, she could never survive in a regular classroom, and she's you know we don't want her to be upset, we don't want her to be you know things to be too hard for her and then she went into an inclusive classroom and she was fine i mean not every day was wonderful and it's like you say once she got into to middle school and high school she started to want to be more in the resource room because the regular class was hard uh, you know i'm not the one who has to right. sit there you know it's easy for us as parents to strategize it and to say this is what we want and this is what's important but we don't have to go sit there day after day um you know, so that's always a difficult uh, struggle. But uh, you know, I do feel so strongly that you have to have ex- you have to have high expectations, not unrealistic ones, but you know, ambitious ones. Just you know, if if people talked about typical kids the way they talk about special ed kids, the parents would be burning down the school board. You know, <laughs> but, but for our kids, it's okay to say, well, you know. Oh, here, here. I we can't do those not things. Agree. But you know, I wrote something a while ago that if if the the speech um, if the speech they gave at back to school night was the same as the speech they gave in IEP meetings, <laughs> you know, we don't think your kids are going to amount to anything. So we're going to sort them according to their abilities, and the ones who can't, you know, grow up to be doctors and lawyers, we're going to put in a closet. Um, so uh, it's it's. Um, it's really good to get that message out there that they are capable of things and that they can have expect you can have expectations for them, and that it's not going to kill them. <laughs> and you actually have a have a website too, correct? Uh, called Raise Expectations. I just yeah. realized that we yeah. hadn't had a chance to bring that up yet. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about your website? Yeah. So our website is exactly you know sort of the the message RaiseExpectations.com. You know we. You know, uh, we really believe that if if you allow your kids to achieve what they're able to achieve and just provide a you know a safe dropping so that they're not fearful of failing, um, then they'll do more than you ever thought. And and the whole idea uh, with uh, Sue, uh, my wife, uh, starting the website was more sort of you know there are all these little islands of you know special at this and include you know and you know we just we're trying to sort of connect those islands a little bit more so that there's a bigger mm-hmm. voice which is exactly what you guys are trying to do because um, mm-hmm. it's a message that's true for everybody you know raising the expectations of our of our youth in general i think is a crucial part of us you know becoming better people in a better society and i and uh, and i think specifically clear the, of the special needs community but certainly of, of the regular community too 
Um, uh, and and so that's what you know started this, and so that's why it's raised ex- expectations, is because it really sort of seemed to fit the the message that we were trying to, to mm. tell everybody. Um, and where can people find your book then, for if they'd like to purchase it? Uh, the the book is available on Amazon. Um, that's Sam's Top Secret Journal, and, and also Sue's website at raiseexpectations.com. Um, okay. And she's got a lot of, and she's got links to your website, and, and that that was the whole idea is just sort of to try to bring people together and into a, you know, better community, which is you know why it's so wonderful to be on the show because this is exactly, you know, what we want. We want to be able to talk about this stuff so that people mm-hmm. aren't afraid of of you know our differences. I mean, that's literally what it is. We're afraid of our differences and and the yeah. assumptions that kids are not going to be able to achieve things is is the the thing and. Oh. Sounds like I got I got dinged there. <laughs> well, those are such great thoughts. I hate to ding them, but we are coming up to the end of our time. So I want to uh, make sure they have time to thank you for being our guest today and to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Uh, we will not have a show next week due to the Thanksgiving holiday, except that I don't want to think about that yet, but just so you know. Uh, we will return on November 30th when we will have a guest, Tim Viegas, Tim is the creator of the site Think Inclusive, and he will talk to us about including students with severe cognitive disabilities. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. You can also find archives to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatude.blogspot.com. Also, our show is now available on Stitcher and iTunes as a podcast for free download. I also want to mention that last Friday, Nicole and I had a a live uh, interview on Huffington Post Live, which was sort of exciting, except that she looked fabulous and I looked like a giant pasty floating head. Uh, So I have to work on my distance from the computer, I think. Uh, But if you, I'm sure that Nicole has that on her uh, website. You have the link for that. What yes, is, I do. What is your website if, again? If you What's just go uh, www.theinclusiveclass.com and scroll down on the first page, you'll find it. Okay. Well, goodbye okay. to everyone, and have a great week, and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Goodbye. Happy Thanksgiving. And this is where the outro is.